Now, what would be the odds that that was happening again, that that wasn't a new report? Was that a new report or an old report? That's what I'm asking. Is it a new report or an old report? Is that a new report? Well, we don't know. When a seasoned sports fan teams up with a millennial, opinions may vary, but the debates assuredly won't disappoint. Check your sources. It's New Report, Old Report. Here's your hosts, John Lund and Al Renato. Well, Al, another exciting week in athletics. One NBA finalist has been crowned. College athletes can finally make what they deserve. Baseball players are having their hands shook, their gloves shook, their pant legs shook, but spin rates are down. But we start with who is vying for that second spot to get into the NBA finals. The Phoenix Suns, for the first time since 1993, will play in the NBA Finals. What up, Charles Barkley? Exciting for them. We'll get into how they got here and the performance in the game that got them to the NBA Finals. Currently recording this while the Bucks and the Hawks battle it out in Game 5 without both their star players. Giannis Antetokounmpo hyperextended his leg. Trey Young backed into a referee's foot, sprained his ankle. That really killed any interest I had in the game. And we really can't describe or predict what's going to happen if everybody's hurt. If your best player is hurt, I guess the question we pose is, what team has the best chance to win if their star player is hurt? First of all, Johnny, we want to thank everybody for listening. And a lot of loyal fans out there. And we're appreciative. We hope they all have a great 4th of July weekend as America is, is opened up for our birthday, which is a terrific thing after where we were last year at this time. So we want everybody to stay safe, stay healthy, get vaccinated, wear masks where appropriate, but enjoy the holiday weekend with your families and with your friends. As for the NBA, as for the postseason, as for the health, it's been real simple. The Phoenix Suns have been the healthiest team, so the Phoenix Suns are the first ones to the NBA Finals. The Bucks were in good shape, with the exception of the loss of DiVincenzo, which is a loss, but not a huge one. We know they made it through the Nets in a knockdown dragout series who were crippled by injuries. And the Bucks look to be in control. Trey Young gets hurt, stepping on the official's foot. Uh, it looks for all the world after the Bucks won game three. In Atlanta, with a terrific performance down the stretch from Middleton, that they were in complete control of the series. Atlanta goes out in game four without Trey Young. And then Jan jumps out to a huge early lead. And then Giannis gets hurt with hyperextended. He thankfully, thankfully, as a sports fan and as a fan of a good kid, a, a, a guy who is by no means the greatest player of all time, but a two-time MVP, a wonderful player with his warts, but with a great personality and a great attitude 
And great for the league that he stayed in Milwaukee and signed his long-term mega deal and will stay a buck. Great for the state, great for the city, great for the league. What was not great for the league and great for the city and great for the state and great for the player was what I thought was a catastrophic injury the other night. When he went down, I thought it was an ACL. Plain and simple. And the pain he was in, screaming, you thought it was an ACL. Good sign eventually got up. Good sign he got walked off. Good sign he got back to the bench. But also we saw what happened with the Warriors a couple of years ago when their great guard, uh, Mr. Thompson, had his knee, what we thought may have been originally, I don't want to say just, but uh, maybe a hyperextension or maybe a twist. And he walked off and he walked to the locker room and he kind of ran in place a little bit. And it turned out to be an ACL for Clay Thompson. So until we got the news that the structural damage was, excuse me, there was no structural damage, you know, we're all holding our breath as sports fans for Giannis. Fortunately, all day okay. When he'll be back, no idea. So far, they haven't needed him tonight. They're in control of this game. We will see if they can spin it uh, and finish it with a game five win and then figure out a way to win one more, either in Atlanta or back home with or without Giannis, while Atlanta waits to return of Trey Young. But the team that is the healthiest, the team that has been the most fortunate, and the team that is in the finals is the Phoenix Suns. And the Chris Paul fan club grows and grows and grows. The Chris Paul love boat, led by anyone you can watch or listen to, uh, continues to say, get on board. We're all here. Uh, Chris Paul is suddenly a beloved figure, a guy who's been a pain in the ass to play with, a pain in the ass to play against, who has spit the bit time after time after time in big spots. Now finally has made it to his first NBA final after beating our Lakers without Anthony Davis and with a less than 100% LeBron, after sweeping the Nuggets with Jamal Murray nowhere in sight, and after not having to beat the number one seed, Utah, because the Clippers took care of them, but then beating the Clip joint barely in six with no Kawhi Leonard. And uh, mind you, okay, they were backed up. They didn't have Chris Paul for the first two games. They barely won those two. So 2-0 and without Chris Paul, 2-2 two and with the great one. So they breeze, so to speak, through the West. And the best way I could describe this is I did to Mike Meltzer tonight when he said to me, Al, they've, you're saying they've accomplished nothing? I said, exactly. Exactly. Because all Chris Paul has done so far is what he's supposed to do. Because if the Suns found a way to not make the conference finals, it would have been like Muhammad Ali losing a championship fight to a one-armed man. This was built for Sun success. And Chris Paul played brilliantly last night. Great in the third and fourth quarter. But before that, Chris Paul sucked. Chris Paul shot 20%. That's not below average. That's hideous. That's awful. And then you're going to say, well, you know, look at all the assists. Well, it, he bet if he doesn't score or he shoots 20%, he better have some assists because otherwise the Suns aren't going to score because Chris Paul at all because the ball's in Chris Paul's hands all the time. So if he doesn't have assists and he doesn't score, then they're going to score 50 points again. 
they managed to score 84 and pulled a rabbit out of a hat to win a game that was one of the ugliest games in postseason history that the Cliff Joint clearly could have won. And they won a game on a prayer when Paul George missed two free throws. And literally, despite a great pass, the Clippers' defense was woeful on the lob, which gave up the winning dunk virtually at the gun in a game the Clippers easily could have and should have won. So the Suns are fortunate. The Suns are the healthiest. And the Suns are going to be well-rested and ready to go. This is Chris Paul's championship to lose, to finally get his ring, to finally, he's finally broken through to not be one of the greatest players never to make or play in the finals. Now his goal is to become a champion and get away from being one of the best players never to win a title, to be with John Stockton, to be with Carl Malone, to be with Charles Barkley. That's where he has elevated himself to now. If he takes it to the next level, it may well be because one, he only got there by good fortune of other teams being banged up with their best players, not even playing not one game or two games, but entire series. And if it's the Bucs, will he see Giannis? Uh, if it's the Hawks, I think he'll probably see Trey Young, but will it be anywhere remotely resembling a healthy Trey Young? And they're better than the Hawks anyway with Trey Young. So to me, it's all about whether or not uh, the Bucks get through and how healthy Giannis would be. Because Giannis, uh, at 100%, the Bucs are a better team, and I picked the Bucs to win the East, and I would pick the Bucs to win this series. The matchup of the big three would be very intriguing. Giannis against their big boy, Middleton against uh, the next Kobe Bryant, bite your tongue, Stephen A., not even close, not even in Booker's dreams, and obviously uh, CP3 against Drew Holiday. So those matchups would be terrific. I would look forward to them. I hope they're going to happen. We know the Suns are there. They are ready. They are willing. They are able. They are healthy, and they are clearly the favorite. Healthy, underlined, italicized, and capitalized, because that is the word of this postseason. What team has managed to stay the healthiest? And if the answer is you, you have the best chance to continue to advance. It's interesting for Chris Paul, whose latest trips to the postseason have often ended with injury, whether to himself or to one or two of his teammates. But now this year, he manages to stay healthy outside of when he had to miss a couple games because of COVID protocols, which would have been another thing that would have marked his career. He had to miss those two games. What could have happened? Thankfully for the Suns, it didn't end up mattering. But you end up going against the Denver Nuggets team that's banged up. Demolish them. You end up going against the Lakers team before that that's banged up. Beat them. Then you end up going against the Clippers team that's without their best player. Beat them. Now, you might end up going up against another team that's without their best player in the NBA Finals, depending on when Trey Young and Giannis can get back, if they can get back, because vagueness has been quite the part of some of the injuries to these stars thus far. Kawhi was a scratch, seemingly, every 
every day of the game. We'd go to the game itself. Is he going to play tonight? Oh, no, he's out. How severe was his injury? Are we going to find out in the next couple days that he he needs surgery and this was really a season-ending injury, but we don't want to tell anybody? It's very strange how they went about it. It was like a baseball team not releasing the lineup till the coach walks out and hands it to the ump. Or the NFL team's not telling you who the quarterback's going to be. Okay, this is the NFL. You're not pulling a high school swing on somebody where they're not going to be able to adjust because the guy throws lefty. <laughs> I think the NFL teams more often than not will be fine with that information. But Kawhi sitting up in the luxury box, hanging out with his family during the game, which I found interesting. I know Kawhi is not the most vocal guy from what we've seen. A hilarious moment in the call of the game is when the camera pans to him and we hear Kawhi going crazy. And he wasn't going crazy at all. It's quite a good joke. A Mike Breen special. From Mike Breen. It was interesting that he decided to spend the game in the luxury box instead of down with the team, maybe add a thing or two here and there. But I get it. He's not obligated to be down there. But the injury to the Clippers was their doom. Paul George played fantastic basketball night in and night out every other day wasn't getting any rest play the most minutes score the most points shut up the doubters but he didn't have enough help and that's not his fault in this scenario tried and it actually made the games a little bit more interesting and exciting to see if he could do it that's kind of been the theme of this playoffs there's not a team that's absolutely dominated. And if they have, after, say, two games, the next game they get blown off the court. Well, what happened? You just dominated them for two games, you switched gyms, and now you can't throw the ball in the ocean. It's kind of made this postseason a little bit more intriguing in that you have the one player, maybe two, trying to carry their team to these wins and there's not the dominance where you don't have to watch because you just assume X team is going to win by 30 every night. Each game is its own entity of let's see what one star player can do with his team tonight. And if they could manage to win, I mean, you would think on paper, the bucks are going to be okay and beat the Hawks. And the series was tied to two. Giannis goes down, obviously, with the knee injury halfway through game four, but the Bucs sucked that game. They weren't going to win even if he stayed healthy the whole time. It's added a little bit different intrigue than the we won't turn it on until the finals because we know the Warriors and Cavs are going to get there. So it's, it's just been, been a different mindset. total and complete postseason of peaks and valleys. No matter who. As soon as we anoint somebody, they go out and they put up a stinker. As soon as it looks like a team has taken over a series, they lose at home. It doesn't matter who it is. Somebody goes out and plays a fabulous half, stinks it up in the second. Let's look at Utah. Perfect example. Up 22, 23, whatever it was. A huge first half against the Clippers. And they lose by 25. Uh, 
guys shoot the lights out in the first half, they disappear in the second half. Teams look fabulous one night, doing everything you think they can do. Moving the basketball, scoring from inside, knocking down threes, defending. The next night, the ball doesn't move. Their offense is stagnant, and their half-court offense consists of nothing but dribble, dribble, jump shot. It's obviously there are always adjustments made that change the way teams attack, but it almost seems like when a team wins a big game, they stop attack. It almost seems like as soon as the team has gained the advantage, they feel like, okay, we got the advantage. And the next thing you know, you think you got the advantage, you're behind the eight ball because you stop attacking, you stop doing what you did to get there, whether it's movement on offense, whether it's attacking the rim, whether it's getting the ball down low to the paint, uh, whether it's setting good screens, uh, whether it's getting out and running, whether it's getting your guys in the right spots to score before they've got the ball versus having to manufacture their own shots, whether it's getting to the foul line, it just seems that there, nobody can manage to put up two solid, consistent games in a row. It used to be just the Bucks. Now it's seemingly everyone. Where just when you think that they've gotten over the hump and they figured it out, uh, the next game they go out and you're like, who are these guys? What happened to the guys that look like the best team you know, in, in the league last night? Why? I think one of the reasons is none of these teams are great. That's for sure. Uh, the Bucks can be a really good team because they've got arguably a, a great player, certainly superstar, and two really good supporting players in Middleton and, you know, the guy I love, Drew Holiday, and depth. And the Clippers have got, you know, the next Kobe Bryant, bite your tongue, Stephen A., um, the big number one pick, uh, who looks like he's a legitimate big man because he stays around the rim, which I do like that about him. I don't love the player, but I do love the way he plays big. Then go out to 17 feet or 20 feet, unless it's screen roll. Uh, he doesn't take jump shots. He doesn't take threes. He doesn't dribble between his legs from 25 feet away. He gets in the box. He gets in the painted area, and he shoots about 70%. And he rebounds. He's got good hands. And then obviously they've got uh, the latest, greatest point guard in uh, the NBA, who at long last reaps his just rewards by uh, winning uh, his first conference championship and, of course, being this, the straw that stirs the drink. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. Hey, let me ask you, a guy who I find incredibly annoying and as annoying as Chris Paul could be with his flopitis, who manages to fall down in every three-point shot that he takes, and his annoying constant berating the officials and last night's dive against Boogie Cousins where he wasn't even touched by human hands. Um, We know how annoying he can be to watch, to play with, to play against. However, 
the dirtiest player in the game, uh, Patrick Beverly, to me last night really crossed the line. A guy who was super annoying, uh, a gnat, the famed love him if you got him, hate him if you don't. I just hate him, period. But, you know, he's got to play that way to be effective. Your thoughts on what he did last night with the push in the back and what you think the NBA's reaction will be to it? It took my breath away, to be honest with you, because when you look at the replay, they kind of brush shoulders when they go past each other. And the way Pat Beverly turned back to look at Chris Paul, you would have thought he called him worse than the worst name in the English language. So we figure Chris Paul. We figure Chris Paul said something. But when you look at the replay, though, it doesn't look like he says anything. At least not something en- enough to to warrant. I mean, what word would warrant such a reaction that he did? That was a push. That wasn't a shove. Like we saw Demarcus Cousins push Devin Booker at the end of the game after the. 33 minute or however long it took them to figure out just for the buzzer to sound before the other 33 minutes happened to figure out how much time to put on the clock. Sweet Lord, longest ending of a game you'll ever see. But after the buzzer sounded and people's, some people thought the game was over, he just gives him a shove and Devin Booker barely even moves. Like, Hey man, what was that for? This was a, you're going down every ounce of strength was put into this push and it was like, what the hell was that, man? What could he have possibly said to warrant that reaction? And then he put something out on social media to the likes of, like, I apologize. That's not really me. It wasn't meant for you. Good luck in the finals or something of those lines. Well, who was it meant for then, man? How do you mistake Chris Paul for the person that you want to push? Or why is he getting pushed if it's meant for somebody else? What did he do to become the scapegoat for it? I can't believe what we watched when it happened. You, you just don't see that. And I understand the frustration in the moment, blah, 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 blah. But the NBA, he couldn't play in the next game, at least if they didn't lose. They would have had to do something that drastic, at least. And he's a player that you obviously strongly dislike because he doesn't play on your team, but you wonder... Would you like him for the role, the villain that he plays, if he were on your team? Was no, not at, the, not at that, like that. Not, not at what is it, eleven or twelve million dollars? No, no, not for, not for the not for the. And and he's always, you know, look. I I thought the headbutt, the head with Booker was accidental. I thought it was two guys, you know, like two boxers. But you know, you know, a few years back, the. the the knee on Westbrook that knocked him out of the postseason. All right. I thought that was intentional and or unnecessary. He's always you know, in, in the middle of it. And last night was unconscionable. Last night deserves a 10 game suspension uh, to start next year. Minimum because it was not in the heat of battle. There was no action involved and you attacked from behind. You attacked from behind the cheapest, lowest, most cowardly shot. Totally blindsided him. Totally Bush League. Totally and completely. 
unprovoked. Just beyond belief. Beyond belief. It was almost like a wrestling scenario. And I, I just saw it, couldn't believe it. And league's got to do something about it. Got to do something about it. Got, it's not a question of making an example of him. We know what he is. It's not like this is some isolated instance. It's not he's got a checkered past. He's got a history. And like anything else, when guys have histories, they have to be punished more severely. Got to be a minimum of 10 games for that. Because it's just, you know, it, it is one of the worst things I've ever seen on a basketball court. Crazy. It was something that you would have watched back in the 70s between the Celtics and the Lakers when you used to be able to do that stuff. But it was still not accepted. Like, even if you were guys that wouldn't mind elbowing a, a person in the stomach or throwing a nice punch every once in a while, there's still like an etiquette to it. If that makes sense, that was, a you, cheap ne- you never saw, you never saw a guy, you know, charge from the back, an unsuspecting guy and do that. You never saw it just totally from behind an unsuspecting face to face, you know, even McHale's clothesline of Kurt Rambis, one of the dirtiest plays of all time, at least was in the heat of battle. All right? it, it was during a play. This was shows over, walking away from each other, and then boom, turn around, charge him, full two-hand. And you know, look, that, that, you know, Chris Paul takes a lot of dive, dives. This was by no means... A dive. You know, this Usually is a he could brace ball. himself. He knows he's going down this time. Right. There was no time for that. Right. Right. So uh, i incredibly disappointed in a pro, anybody for that matter, but a, a veteran pro who's been through postseason. I don't want to say handle himself like that because he didn't handle himself. Uh, what he did was mishandling himself. What he did was losing control to the nth degree. I find it intolerable, no place in the league for it, and I've got no tolerance for it. You know, I, I, Patrick Beverly should just go away. I'm tired of him. I am. Don't. I would never want him on my team. Certainly that 11, 12 million, and uh, you know, enough is enough. Enough is enough. Now, you you could have hurt him too. Oh, absolutely. He he, he could have been hurt. You know, especially with the you know the, the previous dislocated shoulder. Whatever the case, or just you know, when you fall unsuspected, anything could happen. The message on Twitter at CP3 emotions got the best of me last night, gang. My bad wasn't meant for you. Congrats on making it to the finals. Best of luck. Fingers crossed. Emoji. Written by Pat Bezagin. There's a difference between being a pest and playing hard and being annoying and toeing the line. This was two full steps and two arm blanks. Look, he's the, the dirtiest player in the game. Yeah. Simple as that. He has been for years. And this is the cherry on the sun. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report, here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. Speaking of millions... Today, July 1st, 
which has been known as Bobby Bonilla Day for decades. Shout out to Bobby getting that check again today. Shout out to Steve Phillips for making it possible. He'll continue getting said check until 2035 when he's 72 years old. Nice little million-dollar payday once a year. I wouldn't hate it. Today, however, may now be known as NIL Day. Because earlier this week, the NCAA decided that it wasn't going to just be a handful of states to start allowing their players at their colleges and universities to benefit from their name, image, and likeness. They were opening it up to all schools in all states for something that has taken my whole lifetime, your whole lifetime to happen, an athlete to be able to benefit from their name, image, or likeness, not getting paid to play the game, but getting paid endorsement fees, advertisements, et cetera, et cetera. There's a huge list of opportunities now for them to benefit. I'm still kind of shocked at how quickly this has happened because this has been something that everyone has argued for years and years and years, especially when stars or other players even have had sanctions come against them for getting stuff under the table. Most famously, Reggie Bush, Johnny Manziel, some tattoos at Ohio State. We could spend a half hour just naming all the instances of times when players were penalized or punished for taking a little bit more than they should. And it's happened for our entire lives. And in seemingly what feels like the blink of an eye, it's over. The athletes have won. They can now market themselves like any other player has been able to in the professional yeah, yeah, side of things. Yes, they can market themselves, but that doesn't allow them to get, I believe, improper inducements for going to a particular school. It doesn't allow the universities to give them payola for no apparent reason. It allows them to sell their likeness after I believe they have signed on with a particular school. If I'm reading it correctly now, and that's if it begins once they sign on or once they are there, for example, you sign your letter of intent as a junior to be the quarterback at fill in the blank, Ohio state, USC, Clemson, of course, Alabama. You're highly recruited, whatever the case may be. When are you now permitted to start getting reimbursement for you in an Alabama helmet, you wearing an Alabama jersey, etc.? Is it once you sign or once you begin attending the school? I would think it would be once you begin attending the school because you can always withdraw your LOE and go elsewhere. So I would curious about plus 
you know, you sign your letter of intent as a junior, you're getting in high school. Now, high school's not paying you. The college isn't paying you. You're being paid from Nike or you're being paid from Reebok or you're being paid from whomever company, entity, with your likeness, assume, or I presume, being linked to that school. Or are you just given a shoe contract with Nike because you've now signed with Alabama? I don't know. Well, here's one example. This is Clemson's NIL policy. Athletes cannot use Clemson logos, facilities, uniforms, or team-mandated activities for NIL purposes. Generally, the student-athlete must disclose the terms of an NIL contract to the institution prior to signing the contract. Also from Clemson's policy. So does that mean you can't be wearing a Clemson helmet? I'm guessing that you wouldn't be able to wear a Clemson helmet if you were doing a commercial for, like, Barbasol. Like, that couldn't be an addition to what you were selling in said commercial from what right. this appears. To what say. about simply your likeness? Okay. Photos of you in a Clemson helmet or a Clemson jersey. You're the quarterback for Clemson. Are you allowed to get remuneration from posters of you in your Clemson uniform? Are you allowed to sign autograph pictures of you in your Clemson uniform and get paid for those? You're wearing the Clemson uniform. It's your name. It's your likeness. So I'm not even quite sure how to interpret that. Right, because when there are signings, like, for example, Miami's De'Ara King signed on with a company called Dreamcast, and one of the things they hope to do is help athletes with signings and speaking engagements and things of that nature. And he will have signed helmets available for purchase. I think they're $600, like Derek. Just relax, man. There was somebody on some website. I forget his name now, and I meant to save it. I could probably find it as we continue the show. He was selling his autograph. This had to be a mistake. They had to put the comma in the wrong place because I swore it said $10,000. Who in their right mind would pay $10,000 for a college athlete's autograph? The list of players that are worth a $10,000 autograph has to be in the tens, right? And it wasn't a name of, oh, yeah. I dropped $10,000 on that guy. It was, where are you going to get somebody to pay that amount of money? But I digress. I'm guessing that would mean Miami doesn't have a similar policy to that, or is he signing just a generic helmet that doesn't have the U on it if that's what they want to do? Like you're just getting a gray helmet or a green and orange helmet, but there's no U on it. Because that does make it seem like if you're at Clemson, you can't sign a Clemson helmet because that would use the logo for your NIL purpose. But you can still go on a Wheaties box without right. your Clemson uniform. You can wear orange. It's fine. Maybe, maybe not. Box is orange. The bottom line 
is that however it is going to be regulated college. Well, as I said, is it limited to college? Can you begin selling your likeness when you're in high school? Let me give you a perfect example. Um, as outlined today by um, you know one of the great sports business guys going, um, Arch Manning, who is the nephew of Peyton Manning and the nephew of little brother, which makes him the son of the oldest brother, I believe the oldest brother, yes, who was Peyton's teammate in high school and his wide receiver. And if you've seen the book of Manning, um, you know that he suffered a neck and spinal injury, I believe neck and spinal, that precluded him from playing football any longer. Their dream was to go to school together and play together and be battery mates, so to speak, as they were in high school, and he could no longer play. And this is Arch, named after his grandfather, the great Archie Manning. Look him up, young folks. Uh, is already a high school legend. I believe he's a junior, I think, uh, this coming season. So he's two more years of high school. As Darren Ravel, who I was alluding to earlier, pointed out, who was one of the, the guys in the sports business, if not the guy, Arch Manning is going to be the blockbuster guy in this coming out of high school. When does his meter begin to tick? When does he allow to start collecting? on his likeness, on his image and likeness. Is it now? Is it once he signs a letter of intent? Is it once he attends the school to which he will sign the letter of intent? To me, like I said, that's all up in the air. But it's great. Yes, it happened quickly. It looks like it happened quickly. But Ed O'Bannon started this fight many years ago. For those who don't know, Ed O'Bannon was the star forward on... Uh, the UCLA national championship team in uh, 1994-95, I believe. Uh, his brother was also on that team. Uh, Jim Herrick was the coach. And after Ed's career, I believe, his NBA career ended. He was with the Nets. I believe that's when he started this pilgrimage, this attempt on behalf of himself and college students, and college athletes everywhere to be able to get remuneration for who and what they were at the college level for college athletes to be able to sell their likeness, to get reimbursement for whether it's endorsements or products or their likeness in you know, the video games or whatever the case may be, that other people were making massive amounts of money off, including the NCAA. So Ed O'Bannon is really uh, the, the Kurt Flood of this. Again, young folks look up Kurt Flood. Uh, and it's inched along, and there's been litigation and litigation and litigation. 
And finally, they basically won in the Supreme Court. The NCAA is in a heap of trouble in terms of just being able to continue to exist as a governing body. And now they realize there's really nothing they can do to prohibit this. So they have to stand down. And it's really a question of now is how is this going to be regulated in terms of when and where it's going to be able to start? And how are the schools like Clemson going to be able to regulate it? And, um, you know, how do we make sure? Because the fear is always that the inducements will result in the rich getting richer. And then you always have the underlying fear that it can result in having an effect on what goes on on the field, i.e., playing a certain way or not playing a certain way in exchange for certain inducements, which of course we never want to happen. So uh, it's a great boon for the college athlete. And I'm not going to say it's about time because I've always had mixed emotions about it because I do feel that they are, I know they put, I know how hard it is. My son's a division three athlete and he has to balance school with workouts and travel. And that's just a division three kid. A division one program where it's that much more of a commitment and that much more travel. Uh, it's got to be incredibly difficult. But on the other hand, a good chunk of those kids do get everything on the house. Books, room, board, food, training, etc. But remember, folks, for the most part, those scholarships are also year-to-year. Full rides they sound great, but they are full on a year-to-year basis. All college athletes are playing on one-year contracts. And when you look at it from a scholarship point of view, it may be a full ride, but the school can pull that scholarship at any time. So you fall out of favor. You don't play up to uh, your coach's expectations. You fall out of favor for other reasons, or you just get displaced by other players, and they can pull that scholarship. So it's not a, a guaranteed full ride like everybody thinks. But for four years, it is a very valuable commodity consideration given exchange for what you give the school, because not every player on a four-year ride makes money for the school with their likeness, uh, with their popularity with them selling tickets with people going to see them play. There are plenty of guys on a football team who are on full rides who are standing on the sidelines. So it's a double-edged sword always has been for me. Always wondered how they're going to regulate it, but it's going to happen and hopefully it will happen for the better for everyone. We'll see. Joe Burrow mentioned that today on Twitter, saying exciting time for college athletes, most excited for non-scholarship athletes who may have been working jobs outside of sports to make ends meet, free meals, sponsored posts, signings will make their lives a lot easier, long overdue. And that's the interesting thing about the regulation of this, because originally it was eight to 10 states or whatever it was that said July 1st is the day. If you go to a school in our state, you can start. Hopefully the other ones will come along. And then that instance in the Supreme Court happens where the NCAA loses nine, nothing and gets eviscerated by every member of the Supreme Court. Basically shout out to, I like beer 
I've always liked beer. We don't even need to mention his name. You know the quote. Mr. Kavanaugh getting a little redemption story, tearing into the NCAA, and then you <laughs> blink, today is here, and they're just allowing all the athletes to benefit from their name, image, and likeness. I am shocked that an organization that is so anal about having their hands in the cookie jar of everything, making sure that their athletes come to the line like they're in the service, they check their lapels and make sure their cap is straight and their shoes are shine before they could play any of the sports that they signed up to play for, don't have their hand in this cookie jar. And I don't know if eventually the NCAA doesn't figure out a way to finagle into this. I'm sure they'll try once they see the money potentially rolling in. I wish there was a document or a bullet points or a too long didn't read where we could just see who you go to if you're an athlete to make something happen. Like if your son wanted to benefit from his name, image, and likeness playing college baseball, D3, first of all, let him know he could easily do so on new report, old report. He's just not going to be compensated with monetary. He gets compensated every day. (laughs) That's what he's getting. It's from dad. I can't help him. We can have him on. He can learn the ropes practices skills behind a microphone, but monetary-wise, I can't help you. Sorry about that, but we'll sponsor him gladly. But if he wants to go to a local college, uh, to a local car dealership in White Plains and say, hey, I'd be interested in you potentially having me sponsor your car dealership, shoot a 30-second commercial, what would you offer me? What do they say? What do you do? Where do you go? Who writes the checks? Who makes sure this is all right? I'm assuming that there's answers to these questions somewhere, but I have a feeling that for a lot of the teams that don't have stars or don't have incredible social media influences, like the Clavenger, the sorry, the Cavender girls, the twins from Fresno State that were in Times Square today with their social media handle blasted on one of the biggest electronic billboards they have because they signed something to help with their NIL. If you don't have that around you, are teams just going to have to wait for one of their teammates to maybe know somebody who knows somebody? And then they could be like, Hey man, how did you get involved with that local one guy meat makes shop? A splash and everybody jumps into the pool? How did you get involved with that shoe store down the street? Hank's shoe store. I'm looking to go over to, Phil's hoagies, but I have no idea how to do this. Like, how did you go about it? Well, I know this guy. He knows that guy. It's going to be the Wild West, Al, for a long time, it seems, because there's no, like, website to go to that tells you how to go about this. If you don't have the resources already and have been building to this and you're not De'Ara King, et cetera, what do you do if you're a D3 player that wants to benefit off your name, image, and like it? You just got to, I guess, scour the web and hope you come across something. And again, I, in terms of the regulations, what about agents? Are you now allowed to have an agent to procure these agreements for you? And will agents now be running wild amongst the college athletes? For example of that, in Clemson, continuing to follow their bullet points because I happen to find it, student athletes may obtain an athlete agent slash marketing representative who must be registered in accordance with South Carolina law for the purpose of securing compensation for the use 
of his or her NIL. So where is the list of these agents, too? Where do we find that on the Internet? I may have to start registering throughout the lower 48. I think so. That's what we we'll use this to, show I, for. I may have to start registering, and uh, maybe I'll just go after D2 athletes, D3 athletes. Sal's Pizza needs a sponsor, Al. I could tell you that right exactly. now. Exactly. Exactly. And I'll represent them as a class. <laughs> oh, it's going to open up. It's, it's opened up a whole new cannabis. I mean, it's funny. Brave we, new we laugh, but like, would it be wise if you're involved in business or you want to pursue being an agent or something similar to maybe start taking a couple classes and dip your toes in these waters now? Because the water's fine. Water's warm. It's great. And it's not crowded at all. There's no seaweed hitting your leg. You don't have to worry about sharks. It is take a nice, relaxing waft on a raft and just relax, drink in hand as we wade the waters of NIL. It, it's still, it feels too good to be true. It feels like it happened too fast. It feels like we blinked and we're here. It's uncharted territory. I'm sure there are guys and gals out there who are already putting together, if it's not already together, a business model. All I know is we don't have any years of eligibility left, so we could wax poetically all we want about how nice it is for some of these athletes now to be able to get compensated. But really, there's a little jealousy. There's a tinge. Oh, no, none for me. Not for me, I'm to the old reports too far removed. But like I said, the agency possibility remains wide open. So that may be an avenue for me to explore. And need, I must act, I better act quickly. Yeah. And if you need an assistant, you know where to find me. I could type. I know Microsoft Office. There you go. Which people, for whatever reason, still put on their resumes. The next show, we'll, we'll have an on-air interview. We'll do it that way. See if I'm worthy of the job. Al, it's always a pleasure. We'll do it again next week. Folks, one playoff finalist is set. Another may be on the way. Sticky stuff. Stay away from Major League Baseball. Yankees, Mets coming up this weekend. Have an incredible 4th of July holiday weekend with your family and friends. For my partner, the great John Tinywood, I am Al Renault, a.k.a. Al from White Plains. Stay safe, everybody. We'll be back 8 p.m. Eastern time here on Sports Radio America. You can listen at sportsradioamerica.com and interact with the show there as well or find us on the TuneIn app by searching for Sports Radio America. You can also follow John Lund under the same handle on Twitter at London Bridge. Thanks again for listening.